Sheena, what would you say is your competitive edge? I would honestly say that this podcast and the conversations and dialogues with execs is one of my competitive edges. I feel like access, whether that's to people or information, is a huge competitive edge, especially today in the digital world. That's exactly why we decided to launch The Edge, which is a new thought leadership newsletter penned by our very own president and COO, Kelly Breslin Wright. It's fantastic. It's this sneak peek into the inner thinking and the experiences of a highly successful female executive who has been there, done that as a board member, as a president of a hypergrowth company, as a sales leader. So being able to see her thought processes, you really get to tap into something that you wouldn't have known otherwise. It's really a written extension of what we talk about here, how to scale your business, how to be a better leader, how to adapt to the different trends that are coming. So every month she drops a new addition. It's always less than five minutes. And you know, you know that there's data in that because that's what we do. We love data. So how do we sign up, Jeff? All you have to do is jump down to the show notes and you're going to see a link. Hit the link, put in your email address, and that's it. That's it. That's all you have to do. Easy peasy. All right. That was fun. We have an opportunity to create exceptional experiences for them, right? That's how you become a talent magnet. That's how you get people who are like, I never want to work for anyone else in my life again. This is Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast, here to help go-to-market leaders do one thing, stop guessing. If you're ready to unlock reality and reach your potential, then this show is for you. I'm Sheena Badani. And I'm Devin Reed, coming to you from the Gong Studios. The best sellers are always hungry. Hungry for new, for more, and for better. And Samantha McKenna is one of those sellers. Sam is the founder of Hashtag Sam Sales, a consulting service that helps sales and marketing teams win. And she also happens to be a personal friend of mine. She started as a record-breaking salesperson at companies like On24 and LinkedIn, and now she advises sales professionals at companies like Vidyard, Salesforce, Google, and more. She's here today on Reveal to share the traits and tactics that helped her become a chronic record-breaker and how she approaches sales leadership in a way that makes people want to follow her. Let's start today's episode by hearing how Sam knew it was time to step out of her comfort zone. I think a lot of people get into sales for a little while and then they're like, oh, I'm just going to go and consult. You know, we hire consultants. I see how much they make. I'm going to go do that. I think for me, you know, I always had the entrepreneurial bug, but I never had the guts to do it. I always thought like, could I do this? Should I do this? You know, and then I just stagnated for a long time. I don't even remember what number record I had broken in my career. And I thought every single year I set the bar a little bit higher for myself or I overachieve and then the company sets the bar a little bit higher. We know how that goes in sales. And I always crushed it every single time without fail. And so I was like, I wonder what I could do on my own. I wonder what kind of impact I could make if I went out on my own and talk about the ultimate sales challenge, selling yourself and talk about the scariest as well. I don't have a product to hide behind. Somebody's not saying no to on 24, not saying no to LinkedIn. They're saying no to Sam. We don't want to work with you. And you're like, Ooh, but I thought, let me give this a shot. Right? So I gave myself some runway, what I wanted to do financially, what success looked like. And then I just held my breath and jumped off the high dive. 
Well, it seems to have paid off. And I know those leaps are always extremely scary in the moment. And then now people probably look back and go, Sam, how could you have been scared? Of course, it was like, look at you now. Of course, it was the obvious choice, but it never seems like it in the moment. I know. And it is. It's terrifying. And you wonder, you know, I look back and think, what if I hadn't done this? What if all of this success and excitement and experiences hadn't happened? But getting to run your own business and getting to positively impact so many different people and so many companies other than, you know, just the one that you support is truly a dream come true. I'm waiting to wake up. Fantastic. Last thing on hashtag Sam sales, what's your approach? Why do people end up working with you? When people hire me to speak, one of the things that they always say is just different energy than the speakers that we've brought in. You know, there's jokes, but also there's a lot of enthusiasm and tangible, practical things. So I think whether we're speaking, doing a keynote or doing our trainings, everything that comes out has a different level of energy, excitement, stories to back up what we're teaching, but it's also super practical and tangible. So it's not like, let's go be in front of our clients more and let's be great social sellers. Like, that's great. How the hell do we do that? That's what's important for us to teach. And I think that that's what makes us so different there. Our approach also is mastering the foundations. You don't care if you were 22 and a brand new BDR, or if you were 72 and you were still selling as an AE, there's something that we can teach you and how to build your foundations better for prospecting, outbound messaging, discovery calls, you name it. I'd love to hear about these leadership principles, right? We were chatting before this session and there was a couple great things we could talk about, but you said that you have some leadership principles that you've developed and I'd love to hear what they are. I got to give a speech on this recently and it was so energizing to share leadership the Sam sales way. I am no different than a lot of people where I've had one or two people tell me that I'm the worst boss that they've ever had. And then I've had the rest of them be like, you're the most inspiring boss I've ever had. I would walk through fire to work for you again. And so it just made me start to think, what is it that's unique about me, my style? What do I always hear back from the people that are reporting to me? And how can I help others learn that same thing? So I think one of the things we talked about was just the concept of small things, keeping track of the small things of the people that report to us. So if you are a frontline manager and you have six or seven or eight direct reports, or even a second line manager for five reports, think about who those people are and even who the people are that report to them. What kind of rep are they? What are they motivated by? How do they like to be recognized? People give me a hard time and say that I like to be recognized with a parade. Not everybody likes to be recognized that way. They don't want their name in lights. They don't want to be on a leaderboard. Even if they're a top performer, they like to be a little bit more undercover. So thinking not only about that, but then everything else that's going on in their lives. Who's their partner? Who's their spouse? What is their family like? Do they have dogs? Where do they live? Where do they aspire to go? What do they want to buy, you know, if they hit gold this year? One of our former coworkers, Jason Darling, if you remember that name, was like, I aspire to buy a John boat. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is, but I'll remember that you want to buy a John boat. So one of the things that we do, which probably sounds a little creepy, but I keep a book of all of these facts. So we talked about like the little black book of client facts and employee facts. So when they tell me something, their kids' names, their pets' names, whatever, I'm writing that down and it just gives me an opportunity to learn who they are or at least pretend like I know these things and they're memorized until they actually are memorized. I grabbed a piece of paper for some notes because there's a few things I want to dive into. And you already answered my first question was like, do you write all that down? Because I feel like I would have to. And I actually, in my own leadership, I've started writing it down. And I have like a shared one-on-one -on -one doc that me, the person that reports to me, like we write notes there and we plan. And then I have one for myself where I write stuff like this down and kind of refer to. Is that the process that you have as well? 
Totally. I'm a weird stationary nerd. Like I love stationery and I love notebooks and things like that. When you give out the notebook swag, I'm like, yes, I'm all excited about that. Whereas everyone like leaves it behind. I steal all of theirs, but I love that too. And I keep that in a variety of ways. So like about the people individually, but then I also have some things that I always know about people like their dog's names. So we have literally a page for client dog names. And so I'll quickly thumb to that before we get on with a client. Saltine, this is this person's dog name. Okay. How's Saltine doing? Is that Saltine in the background? The person's like, oh my God, I can't believe you remember that. I'm like, you're welcome. Just write that stuff down, right? We want to know it. It's important stuff. There's only so much room in my head though. So just keeping it down in whatever format works for you, Google Sheet or otherwise is a great start. I want to go back to the celebrating part because there's two things that I think big assumptions about salespeople. Money is the only thing that makes them happy. And they all want to be on the big, what is the Broadway show lights, right? They want to be in the star and all that. I think that's a gross misrepresentation because there's obviously multiple types of people that can be successful in sales. And I've struggled with this because I don't mind the spotlight. I don't need to be in the spotlight, but I like a quick flash. Good job, Devin. And then I can go back to my day, right? I like a little top of the leaderboard. Oops, is that me up there? Oh, I didn't. Oh, okay. But then there's folks to your point that like, they want to be successful, but they don't need their name at the top of the leaderboard. They're right. They don't want to be shot out in front of all hands of 150 sales reps. That makes them uncomfortable. So what's your playbook for those folks? And I think there's two points. One is how do you identify it other than just making them grossly uncomfortable and then learning the hard way? And then two, how do you celebrate them instead in the way that makes them motivated and feel valued? I've got some cool stories for you here. So one, I just like to flat out ask them. And this is where I think as a leader, one of the most valuable things we can have is vulnerability. And I'll put in vulnerability with a little bit of self-deprecating humor. So I'll tell that person, you know, a new rep on my team, tell me a little bit about how you like to get recognized. I am akin to Tinkerbell. I need applause to survive. I would love a parade every time I just managed to get out of bed every morning to be celebrated for that. But tell me a little bit about how you like to be recognized. So that person can share that with me if they don't like their name and lights, or if they just like to, you know, I don't want to brag about it. I'd love for your boss, Sam, to know that I'm doing a great job. I'll take note of that. And I can send a private email to just say, let me celebrate what this person is doing. But I think the other thing is just thinking about how do we celebrate them around what's important to them? So we have somebody eons ago that was on our team that like, killed for an Hermes bracelet. It's like a $600 bracelet. This is the thing that she wanted more than anything in her life and would never cough up the money, no matter how much she made to do it. She just couldn't stomach it. So when she did something just phenomenal, record-breaking, we bought her an Hermes bracelet and we just said kudos to you. So we paid attention to that. If we don't have that lovely expense budget or if we don't want to spend it ourselves, if it's coming out of our pocket, think about this. So one of my reps was really, really close to her family. Thick as thieves, they were on group text all the time. I mean, they were buddies, the kind of family you kill to have for. And when she got promoted, we did this really cool thing. So I basically took her into the room for her one-on-one, but I secretly had her family. It was like blue jeans back then. I had her family on blue jeans. So the camera was off the whole nine yards. I had IT come in the room, pretend that they needed something while we were doing our one-on-one. So he comes in, he's like, can I bother you for a second? I'm like, you believe this guy? We're in the middle of our one-on-one. And then flips on the blue jeans and she looks over and she was like, what's happening? And then her family's like, you're getting promoted. And just like, what an awesome experience. So just thinking about those kind of grand gestures, I think that we have a responsibility, not only to guide and help our people grow, but we have an opportunity to create exceptional experiences for them. That's how you become a talent magnet. That's how you get people who are like, I never want to work for anyone else in my life again. That's fantastic. I got a little, I wouldn't say a tear in my eye, but like a glisten, you know, (laughs) 
I'm a dad now, so I'm way more emotional than I used to be. I do love those above and beyond stories, unprompted. You're already promoting someone. How can we make this extra special? And the thing I like a lot, I don't think it's exclusively true, but you know, when people say people don't quit their company, they quit their boss. That is true to a degree. It's not the only reason, obviously. But you think about that. You and I share the exceptional experience of having worked for On24 before, which is a delightful company. But if you have a boss that really impacts you, even if you've got culture that isn't great organization-wide, but you've got a boss who fights for you, who stacks up for you, who has a spine, who tries to shield you from the things that are coming down and really make your time at that organization better, you'll keep those people. Some places don't have great cultures, right? But if you've got a great boss, that can make the difference. Imagine having an incredible culture and an incredible leader. You know, those people will stay forever. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like you said earlier, it's a talent magnet because now it's not just, oh, I like working for this company. It's I love working for Sam. Like you, Devin, you got to come over here. Like you're going to love it over here. And it's like, why? You're not going to believe what Sam did when I got promoted, right? With that one story, someone's going to go, oh, I, I definitely want to go work there. I at least want to go talk to Sam or that leader, you know? Totally. And think about this too, like for you as leaders who are looking to eventually make a job change, you want to get promoted, you want to leave your organization, you're going to move, you're going to do something different, right? You want to change verticals. When you go through that interview process, one of the questions they should be asking you if they're smart is tell us about how you attract talent. How are you going to recruit for our team? So if you come saying, I have a bench of people, of top performers that would walk through fire to work for me. You probably remember Lee Hakoen from On24. Every time I think about the opportunity to work for Lee, he was the officiant at my wedding for crying out loud. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's full circle. But when I think about getting to work for someone like Lee, and I think about all the other top performers we had there, the Katie O'Rourke's and the Jen Basil's and all those people who would just drop everything at the chance to work for a leader like that, the impact that that can make for you to get hired above the competition could be huge. So the first principle is remember all the small things. Sam, what's pillar number two? Pillar number two. So one of the things that we talk about a lot is the idea of building a culture of falling on your sword. So this is interesting. Think about this as leaders. How often you've had conversations with reps who are defensive, they're not forthcoming with their mistakes, or even if you're like, hey, I want to talk about something, I think we could have done this better. And they say, no problem, you got it, okay. And you're like, you're probably even getting a little bit of a lump in your stomach now just thinking about those experiences. So one of the things that I hate is uncomfortable conversations and difficult conversations. I'm still work in progress on how to have those better. But I really thought for myself as a leader, how do I just avoid ever having to have those? Like, what can I do to change the cycle of how we work as a team? And what we do is we talk about openly owning your mistakes, bonus points for falling on your sword, big and little things. And what I love about this is that number one, it starts with us. So we have to be vulnerable. We have to own up to our issues and our errors and actively talk about that because that's the first thing that we do to create psychological safety for the people that report to us that say, well, she's admitting the mistakes. I can do that too. Got it. It's not enough to just say to do it. You've got to do it too. So again, always vulnerable. I love self-deprecating humor. I'll walk through fire to make somebody laugh. So especially if it's to make fun of myself, I'm here for it. So it starts with that. But 
Let's say we take the first person who shares an example and says, here's a mistake I made this week, or hey, I want to talk to you about something and own up to something that happened. We'll celebrate that. And I'll say, you know what? I'm sure other people on our team have made that same mistake. Would you be open to sharing? Could you talk about that in our Slack channel? And then celebrating that. So not only am I sharing it, but I'm celebrating the fact that we're openly talking about it, that we know we made a mistake. I know we're going to make a hundred more this week. It's going to happen all day long. Thank God that we're not curing cancer or doing surgery here. Bring it on. What I care the most about is that hopefully that mistake doesn't happen again. The principle here is to learn from that mistake and how do we make sure it doesn't occur again. It's huge to feel comfort in being able to do that. This concept of feeling comfortable to approach your leader is all a part of psychological safety. If your direct reports feel comfortable approaching you, bringing problems to your attention, and being honest and vulnerable, that means you've created psychological safety within your team. And according to a McKinsey survey, psychological safety is actually a huge contributing factor to creating positive team climates, which is a team where team members value each other's contributions, care about each other's well-being, and have input into how the team carries out its work. 72% of respondents who said they had leaders who fostered psychological safety also said they had positive team climates. So there's definitely a correlation there. Here's another way that Sam weaves this into her relationships with her direct reports. I think we can also weave in humor. So this has to be authentic to your style, of course, right? But if you're humorous, if you're sarcastic, two things to share with you there. We've got the one we're super mature at Sam Sales. So we've got an oopsie poopsie Slack channel where we share all of these things. So you guys do you be work appropriate for your environment, but just a great place to share that stuff. And sometimes we also share things like really terrible sales emails that we get and things like that just to lighten the load of everything. I think the other thing is thinking about how to build in that humor when something sort of disastrous happens. So I'll give you a good example. We just did a webinar today at Sam Sales. We do them once a month every Friday. And a couple months ago, we had gotten on the webinar and a few people started to come into the webinar. And the first person that came in was somebody named Dakota Tills. And I was like, Dakota Tills? Well, my head of marketing's last name is Tills and her dog's name is Dakota. And so I let her in and I was like, Paige, what's up? And it was actually Adam Pash at postal.io. And he was like, oh, it's Adam at postal. And I was like, oh, at what? And then all of a sudden I saw Dakota Tills, Dakota Tills, Dakota Tills come in. So basically, if you know anything about webinars, you know that when you register for a webinar, you are cookied in the URL. And so Paige was just testing the webinar URL, then she got the confirmation and she, unbeknownst to her, took her cookie URL with her dog's name in it and sent it to everybody, all 400 of our registrants for the webinar as a reminder. So about half of our crew was in as Dakota Tills. So she was mortified. It was a great story, but what we then did to make sure to really rub it in is we created a Zoom graphic with nothing but Dakota Tills, pictures of her dogs and myself presenting on camera. We printed it, we framed it, and we mailed it to her, and she about died laughing. So again, you kind of build this culture where we can give each other a hard time about that stuff. Yeah, that's great. We're rounding it out here, and we have a third leadership pillar. So what is our third and final pillar of the day, Sam? 
I'll talk about empathy. I think empathy, we talk about this a lot. It is a hot topic, especially now and everything that we've gone through the last couple of years and everything that's happening in the news worldwide. But I think empathy is super key. And what I would say about empathy is that it's not enough to just say like, oh, I'm sorry, and then move on. I've had leaders who are like, hey, like something really tough is going on with me. And they're like, that's really tough to hear. Hey, what's your Q1 forecast? And I'm like, Okay. Yeah. So the I'm sorry is it enough? By that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so I think a couple of things here. One, empathy is listening. So being able to hear what's going on and then being what we're coaching our leaders and our reps to be, which is great active listeners. So are we listening to what's going on? Are we hearing the feedback? Are we asking for more information to show that we're actively listening? And then are we also acting with EQ? Maybe somebody shares something awful that's going on. We show active listening and we're like, how did this happen? How long has it been happening? And this person says, I don't really want to talk about it or gives us a very short answer without more information. Then we use EQ to say, okay, this person doesn't want to think about it. And I think the other thing though, is let's build a process of how we do this. So empathy to me isn't for the life-changing things going on in people's lives. It's for the small things too. So don't just think if they're getting a divorce, if their parents are going through cancer or whatever, those are important, but let's also think about the smaller things. So a couple of quick examples. Someone on our team, terrible for her, but she lives in Hawaii and all of her fans at her house went out and they rely on trade winds to keep cool down there. So she has nothing to keep her cool and she is super hot. She was complaining about it the other day, just miserable working conditions and just making a note to ask her the next day or two days later, how's the fan situation? Did you get it figured out? Just remembering that. And you guys, I can't remember that stuff. It's on my calendar. I'm literally like, Kim, fan. That's what I'm writing down so that I remember to ask. But just asking makes a difference. But I'll say something really quick here that's important about knowing your reps and knowing the names of the people in their lives. And that might seem so obvious to you guys. Of course, I'm going to write my reps or my people's children's names. But I once got a bottle of champagne from a boss celebrating a huge deal that we had won and worked for him for 16, 17 months. And the note said something for you and your significant other to enjoy. And I'm like, his name is Ryan. You can listen, you can know that, you can write it down, or you can just take two seconds to ask my peers what his name is. So keep that in mind. If you don't know those things, write those down. And the final thing I'll say on the empathy thing, again, just remembering little gestures. Somebody on our team also lost their dad, really, really close to their dad, devastating loss for the family. So of course we send flowers, but we threw that on our calendar for the one year anniversary. We also paid attention that she loves the Special Olympics, that so she's a huge supporter of that. So come the one year anniversary, we'll make a $100 donation. It doesn't have to be big. It's just a gesture. And these things, just showing that you give a darn about your people can go such a long way. I totally agree. It's those unprompted things, right? It's something I'm still practicing candidly, but there's a good example where similar thing, we had like a freelancer who's a mom, I think one of her kids got sick, but she had just started. She was really excited. She wanted to get her first project going. And like, right when she got her first brief, she's like, I'm out for at least a week. So the first response was like, well, let's just remove her from the project. That's the obvious thing. We were about to move on. And they were like, she's probably having a really tough time feeding those kids. Cause even if your kids aren't sick, that's a pain. Uh, so I was like, why don't we just send her flowers and a DoorDash gift card just to make today a little bit easier. And she was so grateful. You know, she hadn't done a single bit of work for us yet, really. But I guarantee that loyalty is there. And, and it's not that you do it just for the loyalty, right? It's you have to care about that person. And like you said, stop, have a moment to think about what does that really mean for him or her or they of what they're really going through?
You nailed it, right? Let's pause instead of just think, how is this going to impact my goals, what I have to do? Yes, that matters. But let's think about that person first. That's kind of how I lead our organization. Well, this has been great, Sam. We've got three leadership principles. I'm going to recap for folks. We have remembering the small things about your team, number one. Number two, creating a culture of falling on your sword. It doesn't hurt as bad as it sounds, I promise. <laughs> and three, lead with empathy with some great examples there. There's one question I ask folks, Sam, that is not on the list, but we ask all of our guests. It's not too hard, though. How would you describe sales in one word? It is the art of building relationships and solving challenges for people who are kind enough to give you their time. There you go. There you go. I'm going to put hyphens in there. So it's one word, but you passed in my book. Fantastic. <laughs> Sam, I know you're on LinkedIn. That's where I would tell folks, is there anywhere else that they can go or should go to follow you, get a hold of you, follow this journey? Where should they find you? Yeah, you guys pop over to samsalesconsulting.com. You'll be able to sign up for our newsletter there and come hang out with us either in our women's leadership group or webinars on a monthly basis. We'd love to have you. Fantastic. Really enjoyed this conversation. Same here, Devin. Thanks for having me. So nice. If you want to learn more about how revenue intelligence can help you achieve your goals and become a better leader, head over to gong.io. And if you like what you heard today, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. <laughs>